0: welcome to the success experience podcast a podcast where we bridge the gap between ideas and action a podcast specifically made for entrepreneurs operating at any capacity ready for more
1: welcome guys to the success experience podcast i'm here with my business partner Massimo. say hi Massimo. how's it going guys <laughs> and we are here with a very very special guest randy gage american author motivational speaker and best known for his self-help books and lectures on success and prosperity. We're honored to have you here, Randy. How's it going today?
2: Hey, great to be with you guys.
1: (laughs) Great to be with you. Um, So let's talk about, you know, your early childhood. Let's just go right into it. Um, Where did you grow up
2: and how is that kind of like? I grew up in Madison, Wisconsin, which for people who haven't been there, it's this lovely, beautiful college town, uh, kind of a liberal bastion uh, of polit- politics in a pretty conservative Midwest. Very cool downtown, cool place uh, in the summer. But in the winter, <laughs> you're going to have 60 below zero wind chill factors and two feet worth of snowstorms at a time. and pretty crazy weather so i i got out of there when i was 16 years old uh but you know it's a great place to to grow up but my dream was always to live somewhere warm in the winter time and that's what i did that's
1: awesome and and you're currently in miami yeah that's actually awesome. a
2: little island between miami and miami beach wow. what is that the sunny isles that's not what it's called is it no, Sunny Isles is kind of north of me. That's the very top of Miami Beach. I'm mm-hmm. on the uh, Kennedy Causeway, which is the, uh, it's around 79th Street in Miami, 71st Street on the beach, the causeway of a little chain of islands that run between the two in the middle of Biscayne Bay.
1: Gotcha. That's actually awesome because Mossmo and I were just in Miami, like right before this whole pandemic. Uh. Oh, yeah. So we, we love Miami. And I actually spoke with Lurnette about um, you know, she was we were on the phone and she said like, oh yeah, I'm just like picking my mangoes right now. Like I was like, damn, I'm so jealous. Because we're up here in Connecticut.
2: Yeah. Connecticut.
0: Yeah.
3: Connecticut be... weather
0: isn't that great either. So <laughs> definitely yeah. you on that one, getting to someplace warm. So
3: right.
1: <laughs> so um let's talk a little bit more about you know, your actual journey. So when you first got into business, how old were you and how did that like paint a picture for
2: us, how that looked like? I, so my mother raised three kids by herself. uh, Mm -hmm. So we were broke all the time. I hated being broke. uh, And I didn't have any other alternatives. So I became very entrepreneurial at a young age. Right. So by the time Mm -hmm. I was, 12 or 13, I was raking leaves and shoveling snow and babysitting and delivering newspapers and whatever I could do. And oh. I went very aggressive. I, I literally, I was a paper boy for the Capitol Times, which is the local paper there. Mm. And then I noticed a lot of people went to the shopping mall on Sunday and the, the shopping center that we didn't really have malls back then like that. And they would buy the New York Times and the Chicago Tribune and the Washington Post. So I wrote all of those papers and said, hi, I'm Randy Gage. I'm the president of Gage Distributors. And we distribute newspapers. And we'd like to distribute your Sunday edition of your papers. And they all said, OK, yeah, great. <laughs> and so I became a really... Uh, sophisticated paper boy (laughs) because I developed all these customers on Sundays who wanted the out-of-town papers. And I actually ended up selling that business when I was 15 years old to a grown-up who bought it and gave me money for that. And uh, so that was the good, uh, politically correct uh, entrepreneurial side of me. The not-so-politically correct was I made my way through middle school selling dope. So that taught me a lot of entrepreneurial skills as well we don't (laughs) we don't usually talk about that
1: (laughs) yeah that's a little you know under the radar but um that's awesome and then what what happened when you like you know entered your 20s um and, and beyond that
2: well i had some real uh stops along the journey. So at 15, I was arrested for armed robbery and burglary and went to jail. And uh, very fortunately, had some people who believed in me and a good public defender and mm-hmm. a judge who gave me another shot. And I, was, I got out on probation. Um, and then I really started working. Um, and mostly the restaurant business, right? I started as a dishwasher and came a cook, waiter, manager, trainee, assistant manager. Uh, and then I was actually managing a restaurant when I was
3: 16
2: because mm-hmm. I had lied about my age to get the cook job, the waiter job. I was a cook and then Red Lobster came to town and they opened up and they yeah. served alcohol. And back then you had to be 18. So Mm -hmm. I was 16, and I said I was 19, and I got a job for them. And then meanwhile, Howard Johnson's, where I was cooking, the graveyard shift, they promoted me and promoted me, and then I actually became a a manager at 16. And that's when, so I was making a little money. I had a few hundred bucks in my pocket. I had old beat-up Plymouth. Mm -hmm. And I said, I want to live in Miami. I had seen the Miami Dolphins on TV and... You know, John Shula was wearing polo shirts in January, and there were palm trees and sunshine. and so mm-hmm. i I packed up everything I could fit in my Plymouth, and I drove to Miami. I didn't have a job. I didn't have an apartment. I didn't know a single person. but I had a dream that I was going to live, you know, in a tropical paradise. and so, and then I ended up getting hired by Howard Johnson's here, which is the restaurant chain I'd worked for up there. Mm-hmm. And um, so I I was still working for them in my early 20s. Uh, and then I wanted to open my own place, which my, my assistant manager and I did. We took our money and we bought a place, you know, we leased a place. Uh, and that was a disaster. Totally lost everything in that. Oh my god! Uh, went back to working again. Then I got kind of got involved with direct selling mm-hmm. uh, and marketing, being an entrepreneur, and then I just was an entrepreneur ever since.
1: I love that! Wow, like literally going from um, you know selling dope all the way to you know that, mm-hmm. and and just this whole this whole story is just crazy and, and so you know inspiring to me because you know, going from, you know, the worst conditions to something, you know, gradually getting better and better. Um, What was that, you know, defining moment that uh, really everything changed in your life? Like, at what age did everything just totally flip 180 degrees? And you're like, wow, like, I am really, like, living the life that I've always wanted.
2: Well, it's funny. I have a new book that I – Finished, But it won't be out and we don't know when because of the coronavirus and everything but sometime late in the year yeah. and this one is called Radical Rebirth and it's mm. how to make your life over and kill the old you <laughs> and So when you say seminal moment, it makes me think of what I've been writing in that book because I feel like a seminal moment when I was in jail and uh, got you know probation and kind of turned my life around because of those people who believed in me um then when i said okay i'm gonna do this the right way with integrity with honor with honesty that was a big change um losing my business uh, a couple of times you know failing those were seminal moments for me because you know, you make a decision. Do you quit and give up and go back into the matrix? Or do you say, no, I, I, I'm not going to quit. I don't, so what? This didn't work. I'm just going to keep trying. I'm going to try something else. I'm going to test and track and modify. Absolutely. Um, And so I've recreated myself probably five or six times in my life, uh, Mm -hmm. including like a year ago, two years ago. I mean, I'm just still, Um, always looking for recreating, killing off the old me and recreating a a radical rebirth, you know, that uh, leads me to where I want to go. Totally. Absolutely. I love
1: that. Um, And just for the viewers, like, what was how can I say this? What businesses or or what kind of ventures really, um, you know, made you you in essence, like what, where did most of your success come from? Was it from, you know, the speaking engagements? Was it from, you know, companies uh, just so the viewers know a little bit better uh, and understand a little bit more?
2: Well, I got into direct marketing companies like a- uh, Amway and Avon, and New Skin and, you know, people who are familiar with oh, that. Yeah. I made a lot of money in that. I really made millions of dollars in that um, because it was a perfect business for me. They didn't care that I was a high school dropout, that I didn't Mm -hmm. have a college degree, I didn't have a bunch of money to invest, um, I didn't have a reputation, but I was willing to work hard and pay the price. Mm -hmm. So I became uh, successful in that and then people in other companies started contacting me about what I'd come and train their people. And so I became, a, I kind of backed into being a, a professional speaker. That wasn't something I even knew existed
3: mm-hmm.
2: or planned for. But so I started doing that. And then people kept saying, you got to write a book. You got to write a book on your system and how you do this. So I wrote my first book in like 96 or 97, I think. Wow. And that was, and that the, was just
1: the network hard, marketing one.
2: Yeah. Uh, that was original book was called how to build a multi-level money machine yeah and that book was translated into about 20 different languages sold millions Mm -hmm. of copies all over the world had uh, I don't know how many editions, like for years and years and just literally this year I retired that book and wrote a completely all-new one called direct selling success to kind of include all, everything going on now with social media and e-commerce and mobile apps and all the different, you know, different government regulations and all that. So, so I, I've always maintained that, but then I'm just um, I, I'm a marketer, so I market right, and so I, and I'm I, I'm just an entrepreneur at heart. So I wrote a couple of books just for entrepreneurs. Risky mm-hmm. is the New Safe was a big hit around the world. And that's kind of a manifesto for entrepreneurs.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then I followed that up with a book called Mad Genius, which is mm-hmm. uh, kind of a personal rant about how to see around the corner, predict the future, uh, and look for challenges, which I believe as an entrepreneur, that's how we create, up. Op- that's the opportunity when you whoever your target market is right if you can find out the three things that keep them lying awake at night and if you could help them with any of those three problems you're never going to worry about making money for your entire life right because prosperity is created by solving problems and adding value so if you can solve a problem right like if you have a toothache and there's a dentist who can make your toothache go away. You don't care about the price. You're not looking for discount coupons or early bird special. You just say, please make this pain go away. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Pay whatever she wants to fix your tooth. Right? So, or So because she's solving your problem. So anytime you can solve problems for people, they're going to gladly trade you money for it. Or if you can add value, if you can show them how to make their process quicker, uh, more efficient, get higher output, you know, any way that you add value to the equation, they're going to lovingly, joyfully, gratefully crawl naked over broken glass and throw money at you. (laughs) You know, that's the secret of being an entrepreneur is find ways to solve problems and or add value.
1: I just want to, you know, just recognize um, how well of a communicator you, you are, Randy, because um, you know, the way you're describing things, I, I absolutely love it. I know Massimo's enjoying himself as well. Um, and, and I love that value. That That's the biggest thing in marketing is just providing massive value um, and, and, you know, providing those needs to people that need it the most. Um, and I feel like if you don't do that, then you won't be successful. But if you do, you're going to be wildly successful. So uh, hit it on the nail. Um, what, what do you think your biggest lessons uh, in business have been? Just like one
2: or two. Uh, don't be afraid to be a contrarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, always. I always question the premise when they tell me, well, you know, this, it, it, nobody's ever done it that way. Well, of course, nobody's ever done it that way. Just, Maybe nobody ever thought of that, you know, and if you look at the, you know, the the breakthrough stuff, whether it's Uber or Airbnb or Lyft or Amazon, they're all people who broke the mold and said, well, okay, so what if all of that, you know, my friend Dan Burris, he's a, uh, the futurist, he's an author and he's a speaker. So he was speaking at the National Booksellers Convention years Mm -hmm. ago. And he was telling them, you know, somebody is going to create an online bookstore. And somebody here needs to do that, right? And so he had thousands of people in the audience, and none of them started an online bookstore. And it was like a year later that Bezos started Amazon, right? Bezos was not in the bookstore business. If you look at Travis Kalinick of Uber, he was not in the taxi business. And there's a lesson there that I think is really important for entrepreneurs is that usually disruption comes from people outside your business because they don't buy all the conventional beliefs, right? They don't buy that. Well, this is the way it's always been done. They're always saying, well, isn't that kind of a dumb way to do that? You know, with all the technology we have today, why wouldn't we do it this way? So Be willing to you know, everybody just accepts, you know, in the Mad Genius book, I was talking about salt and pepper, right? Why do any restaurant you go in the United States, any restaurant you go in Canada, any restaurant you go in the UK, why do they have salt and pepper on the table? Why isn't there curcumin or cinnamon or whatever? Just somebody once said, well, it should be salt and pepper. And they, everybody says it's salt and pepper. Mm -hmm. everybody says well the the North Pole is at the top and the South Pole is at the bottom right but who said that why isn't the South Pole at the top because I had an apartment in Sydney Australia and when I looked up from my apartment toward the top the South Pole was on the top (laughs) and if you look at so if you really think about it you say you know what it depends where you are in the universe and how you're looking at the planet Earth, which part is at the top, right? The part right. we call the equator, somebody might see it as the top because they're on the side on, you know, on Neptune or whatever, right? Yeah. Right. So be willing to question premises. Don't accept just because, you know, here, here's the reality. 90% of the people in the world today, and I'm not saying this to be mean or snarky or be a jerk. I'm just being real, okay? 90% of the people in the world today are unhealthy, they're unhappy, and they're broke, right? So why would we want to do conventional wisdom and follow the pattern of all these 90% of people who are miserable? Why don't we question the premise and say, hey, maybe there's a better way? So that's, yeah. that's our goal is I know the people listening to this podcast, they're entrepreneurs or aspiring right. entrepreneurs.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: that's my advice to them is, hey, question the premise. Don't be afraid to be different. Be afraid if you're not different. If, if 20 of your broke friends tell you that's a great business idea, it's probably a horrible idea. <laughs> So you want the idea that your broke friends say, that's crazy. Why would you do that? That'll never work. You can get 20 broke people to tell you something will never work. You got a winner.
0: (laughs) Exactly. A million dollar idea.
2: Yeah.
1: I love that though. I love like, you know, um, being that lone wolf, you know, amidst, you know, a bunch of people that, you know, just go on the normal route. You know, because me and Masmo, we actually dropped out of college um, because we we didn't believe in you know the education system for you know getting a job and then you know working until we're sixty five to retire with like you know a little bit of money. Like that's not life, man. Life is doing what you want when you want. Um, I think Masmo can agree with me on that. But what would you say? So you
2: how old are you guys? Nineteen. Uh, we're 19. Yeah. You're both nineteen. Okay, cool.
1: Yeah, so um, we've done some pretty cool things for 19-year-olds, but uh, what would you say your idea of success is? What's your definition of the word?
2: I Now, I understand. I'm an old guy now, so I've learned a lot of grizzled lessons along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, before I would have said my idea of success was to be a millionaire, and when right. I became a millionaire. I thought I was successful for about 10 minutes and sure. then I realized, well, that's not really success and I'm not really financially free. I need to, I need to get at least $10 million and then I'll be secure. And then I got at least $10 million and I was secure, but I realized I'm not really, that isn't really how I want to live my life and, in um flying on too many airplanes. Uh, you know, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a 3 million miler on Delta. I'm a 2 million miler on American. I'm a, whatever the elite level of United is. And then I probably have a million miles just on, you know, Aeroflot and uh, Adria Air in Slovenia and the, you know, yeah. 15 airlines you've never heard of.
3: Yeah.
2: All right. Sure. So the human body is not designed to fly in a compressed tube at 500 miles an hour with altitude adjusted for 10,000 feet, it's just not healthy. And so I was doing all of these speeches, all you know, I've spoken in more than 50 countries, two million people, and I loved the being on the platform, connecting with the audience. But the travel and the customs and the TSA and all the drama and trauma of that, and yeah. just the health challenges. Uh, I just said, you know, I'm going to, so I got to the point where I filter my, my business through lifestyle. My dream was, okay, I want to be able to run my business from a laptop under a palm tree anywhere in the world. It can be on the Champs-Élysées in Paris, at my Cafe Rook. I could be under a palm tree in Tahiti. I can be at the, you know, in Sydney. I can be uh, wherever um and for me I, I, I i'm a teacher at heart that's why right. i like to speak and that's why i like to write books that's why i like to do podcasts and write blogs mm-hmm. so for me success is being able to do that and take care of my you know get the money thing out of the way yeah and i've been able to do that right so i've been able to find a profession i love because ultimately now I'm a writer. I still speak. I still consult. I still do entrepreneurial things. But I'm happiest when I'm locked in my lonely writer's garret, hunched over my laptop, writing my next book. Of course. Um, so, it, it, like, if I if I wasn't an author, you would never find me on social media. I delete Twitter, Facebook, Instagram so fast your head would swim, right? I don't need all that crap, you know. I do it because, people, you know, I, when a publisher gives me an advance and they publish my book, I want to reward them by promoting that book and making sure Absolutely. that people know it's out there. So I do that stuff, but that's not, you know, that doesn't uh, give me spiritual fulfillment, right? My fulfillment yeah. comes from writing and creating and, and and believing that I'm making a contribution for people
1: course i love that answer i love that answer and with that being said um what would you tell so if i was just a brand new entrepreneur i just got into the space what kind of strategies and tactics would you tell me to you know first you know start right off the bat what would you tell me
2: um first i'm going to tell you read mad genius because that's the the book for somebody who wants to be an entrepreneur it's that's- wild, crazy, unconventional—it'll really give you the right mindset to be mm-hmm. an entrepreneur. Um, and then you're going to say, "Okay, uh, um, how can I solve problems and add value?" Mm-hmm. And the check out a blog post. And I'm going to look up what the um, what the title was. This was I just wrote this last week. Um, It's a concept that uh, the guy who writes the Scott Adams, who writes the Gilbert cartoon, Mm -hmm. he um, talks about talent stacking. Where, you know, how there's not many people who could be the greatest in the world at what they do, right? If you're, if you want to be the greatest basketball player and you're not LeBron James, you're pretty much screwed, right? Uh, if you want to be a a soprano at the opera and you're not Renee Fleming, you're probably screwed. Okay. So the blog is called who you become. So it's at randygage.com and then go to the blog and hit who you become. So I'd encourage people, Hey, go read that blog because what I'm talking about there is this concept that Adams has of talent stacking. So Let's say you're an engineer, you come out of MIT, and you're not the number one uh, engineer in your class, Mm -hmm. but you've also developed the talent of writing. Right Now, you might be more valuable than the number one engineer because he or she can't write. Mm. So they can't send emails to the team. They can't create proposals and reports. They can't communicate with the rest of the company. They can't sell their idea to the public. So if you develop that you, that, you stack that talent of writing on there, right? And then you say speaking, right? So if you learn how to be a great communicator that you, cause most people can't, right? If they just had to speak to six people in a boardroom, their palms are sweating, they're all nervous. Well, if you stack that talent, now you're an engineer, you're a good speaker, you're a good writer, there's a Silicon Valley startup that's looking for an engineer. They want to give you half the business and, you know, come in as a, as a partner because you have those talents. So what I'm writing about in the blog was what if we took those talents and then we added the talents that we talk about at eulogies. Mm-hmm. People are dead at the funeral and we talk about their empathy and we talk about their integrity we talk about their kindness, you start stacking those kind of character traits with some of these other talents, you'll never worry about your financial future, right? Because you've got talents, and you're the kind of person that people want to do business with, that they want to buy from, or they want to partner with, uh, or they want to start a company with, right? So- For sure. um, that would be a good you know, blog for somebody to read who wants to uh, you know, go out there as an entrepreneur. And then again, I'm just going to say you're, you're looking for, hey, how can, I, how can I add value? How can I solve problems? Because right? everybody thinks it's so easy. They say, okay, I'm going to be a lifestyle coach. So I'm going to set up an Instagram account, and now I'm an influencer, or now I'm a lifestyle coach.
3: Mm-hmm. So,
2: okay, what problems are you solving? What value are you adding? you got to back up and look at that first. Exactly.
1: I love that. (laughs) Awesome. Um, And then if you could say like maybe one skill, one golden skill for, you know, these new entrepreneurs, what skill would that be? Whether it be communicating, selling, uh, what is that skill to you,
2: you think? Writing. Writing. Writing forces you... Writing is such a powerful communication and so very few people do it well mm-hmm. um, that I think it's the superpower in business when you're a good writer. Because um, even more than speaking and some of the other things, because like I have a, 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 an author apprentice program I run for a small group of people. Yeah. And what I'm making them do is write a book and to write a book, you have to think clearly. If we're just, you know, having coffee at the Starbucks, you say, yeah, I got an idea for this business. I think, you know, this would be the market. And this would." Be... And I say, okay, write it down and email it to me. Now you realize, okay, I haven't really thought this out. I don't know exactly who the target market is. I don't know exactly what the problem is solving. I don't know how I would communicate this, how I would market this, how I would price this, how I would package this. Whereas if you have to write it out, it makes you think at a higher level. Absolutely. I tried doing books by, uh, you know, those uh, dictation machines where I could just walk around and say, well, you know, once upon a time, Jack and Jill went up the him And then when I would edit it, I'm like, this is just shit. This needs so (laughs) much editing. There's nothing I could do with this. There's so many um and this and that, and you know, and all that crap in there. Um, So when I have to type it out on my laptop, I I have to think it out and it makes you think at a higher level. So I think writing, writing, speaking, marketing, um, all of those, you know, obviously people skills are a huge thing. If you have empathy and, you know, concern for others is really important. But the for me, what's probably propelled my career more than anything is my writing.
1: I love that. I, I really resonate with you because on the team, like in our company, I'm the one that does all the copywriting, that does, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff. So I definitely resonate with that. Massimo, uh, if Tanner was, you know, hold on. Let's see if we can unmute Tanner. Tanner. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Um, I also wanted to introduce you to Brandy. I know this is a little late, but...
2: <laughs> Brandy, I heard on everything. You, We're checking on you, Tanner. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> loved it. hearing your
4: story and everything. That was awesome. So, thank you for coming on.
2: So, what are you three trying to do? What's your company? What's your project? What's your vision? You don't get many guests who, who, who suggest you Give a commercial to your listeners. Tell them all what you're trying to do.
1: Absolutely. Um, I'll start off one chunk of the business. Masmer, you can add to it, and then Tanner will explain the other part that he's the most proficient in. So we do, you know, a, a multitude of different things. So everything digital marketing. We do personal branding, and we also do you know client acquisition systems, which Tanner will go uh, you know into greater detail about. But yeah, what me and Massimo do, uh, what our fortes are is personal branding, how to develop a personal brand, um, you know, obviously followers, verification. I checked out your profile. It's freaking on point, man. Like the content's great. Uh, your bio, everything is, you know, really, really good. Um, Masmo, you have anything else to say on that?
0: Yeah. And above just, you know, helping people build uh, personal brands, uh, we, we teach them more how to leverage it, how to communicate that value through digital media. And I think I think we're at such a good point of covering both sides of the spectrums where uh, me and Rob are more on the personal branding side and uh, Tanger's more on the client acquisition side. To bring that together and to really communicate that value through content and then put that in front of the right people, I think mm-hmm. is like unbelievably unstoppable um, in any type of business. So, um, that that's mainly what, what we focus on. And then Tanner, if you want to go a little bit more into client acquisition side.
4: Yeah, of course. Um, so, just to give you a little background, um, I knew Rob and Mossimo for about a year before we started working together. Um, it, we were always in contact. They were in another company, and they, they knew a lot about personal branding. And for me, my background in the company we have now is where we will build out client acquisition systems for corporate entities. So the power to really put content and guidelines and everything about um, their customer demographic and to put that content in front of them to acquire clients, there's really nothing like it out there. And we're so lucky to live in a world to, where Facebook has provided us to like, be allowed to do that. So to bring the two together to where typically an average client, like we will have a corporate entity, for example, an insurance company, Masmo and Rob will work with their executive team on getting their personal brand out there and blow them up on Instagram. And then which reflects back to the company. And it's just another avenue for, you know, clients and customers to find out about their company and find out about the um, personal side of it. And at the same time, we're going to be running the Facebook ads and the Google ads in order to. For them to you know gain more revenue and grow
2: I love it I'm glad you guys are doing that there's really a need for that uh, you definitely will solve problems with that you'll add value with that that's the reality of the world today and there's and you guys are all young enough you're digital natives you grew up with that so it's like the second skin to you whereas for Anybody forty or and above, they're like, "What is this TikTok thing? What um, is? <laughs> how do I do an Instagram story? My God, you know." So yeah. it's that's exciting. I'm glad for you guys. I'm happy to hear that.
1: Thank. Funny you. enough, Massimo is actually TikTok famous.
2: I've I've had quite a run with TikTok,
0: but yeah, I I think the platform is just unbelievable. The the opportunity on that platform is, oh man, it's gonna be the next big thing. I believe so
2: seriously is yeah i think so too i'm not even on it because i don't trust that the people who own it aren't um mining my phone for data and that's just not my market right that's really a teen market and the, the, the people on tiktok they're not buying what i'm selling but if i had breakfast cereal or i was doing video games or you know uh, i was doing a show for the CW network, if that's still around. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, that TikTok is really blowing up in a big, big way right now.
3: Definitely.
1: Anyways, this is about to end in about 20 seconds. So I want to say it was an honor having you here, Randy. Um, we definitely had fun speaking with you, and
3: I definitely think our view- viewers are going to take a lot of value from this.
2: All right. Thanks for
3: having me on, guys.